love live footage. Isn't it good? Hey, you can just watch it back again. I think this is the time where Captain Jack has arrived. And so if you're a Peter Forum would like to go out to those activities, please go ahead and do that. Otherwise, would you just turn to someone and just give them a smile and say, like, hello, good morning? Fantastic. And if you are in grade five, six and haven't got one of these sheets, come out the front and grab one. There's one here with some, some pencils and colouring things. So if you are remaining in, maybe you're an adult and you'd like one as well, you can grab one too. Very good. Very good. Oh. Well, here we are. It is nearly the end of Easter time. School is about to start again. And I know if you're a parent, you are itching for that because you're tired of holidays. You don't want any more holidays. You just want to get back into the swing of things and get some routines established. Am I right? Maybe not. Okay. Good to have you here with us this morning. If you're with us online or here in the room or out in the foyer, glad to have you here with us today. A couple of things just as I start this morning. If you are new around the life of New Community, many people have been in the last two years and we're just starting to re-establish some patterns. And so if you would like to hear more about our mission, vision and values that contribute to what Ali was talking about, our partnership evening on that regroup night, then uh, on the 22nd of May, would you join me uh, for a luncheon at a, a house close by? Um, and in the afternoon we'll spend talking about what is the, the heart of New Community, the mission, vision and values. So on the QR codes later on, if you'd like to be part of that, would you just signal to us? We'd love to invite you. There's only 16 this time, and I tell you, you do not want to miss out on it. The second thing I want to say is that there are some people who are saying, we would love to get involved in smaller cluster groups to get to know people a little bit better. We call those life groups, sometimes in smaller groups called triplets. The good news is that there's a number of people who want to be involved in those. The not-so-good news is that there are a number of people who don't want to be responsible for running one of those. And so if you are here this morning and you would like to actually say, I think I could be a responsible adult and help run one of those groups, we would love to talk to you. If you'd like to just be involved in one of those groups, yeah, okay, you're welcome as well. But if you would like to be helping in one of those groups, we would love to hear from you as well. Young people, if you've got one of the sheets here this morning... I'd like you to go ahead and start thinking about that and responding to the question that you have on the top. Because what I want to talk about this morning is just as much as the, the footage was just saying there about you as it is about the older people around you. What I want to talk about to you this morning is so important and so critical that I don't think it's an understatement to say if you miss this, you can actually miss Jesus entirely. So that's why I'd like you to put your thinking cap on today and be engaging with that question that you have there, but also with the things that we're going to be talking about today. So as I begin, I want you to use your imaginary for a moment. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are holding this little seed in between your two fingers. I want you to imagine that it's sitting there between your two fingers, or if you think you might drop it in the course of this morning, what I'd like you to do is place it in your hand, maybe in the palm of your hands. Or if you think it might fall out, what I'd like you to do is place that in your pocket and remind me later on when we finish today to pull that back out again, because I want to talk about this tiny little seed that means so much. 
When I grew up, I, I heard a prayer. It wasn't a prayer that we prayed in our home, but it was a prayer I heard other people praying, young people, before they went to bed. The prayer went something like this. As I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. If my granddad was there, he would throw in and say, and God save the queen. <laughs> but it's a nice kind of comforting prayer. I thought at the time when I heard other young people pray it, but kind of as I look back now as an adult, it's kind of like a scary prayer. Like every time you're going to sleep, the last thing you want to be reminded of is something might happen. The good thing about it was that if something did happen, that God would have you back. But the problem is as I grew up and that prayer, but also a number of other things in my life, kind of led to the conclusion that the sum total of what the Jesus life was on about was actually entailed trying to actually get away from earth to get to where he dwells in heaven. That is, that the idea was that if I could actually extract myself from earth, that some part of me called the spirit part would actually uh, go to be with God. Am I still on? Are we? Yeah, we're good. Okay, go to be on. Go to be on. <laughs> we would actually get to go to another place. We would actually escape earth in order to be with God. Now, there's some things in that I really like. But the problem with that I found is that it said everything about what you were being rescued from, maybe rescued from death, maybe rescued from sin, this, this radical addiction to my own self-sufficiency where human beings can get it so wrong sometimes, or maybe from hell itself. Yes, the Bible talks about that. However, we construct that. It was the idea, and for many people, that hell for them is in this life. Imagine just what's taking place in the Ukraine right now. That for them is their experience of tragedy unfolding before them. But what I grew up with, I guess, as a younger child into my adulthood was the idea that whatever Jesus did, he did it from so that you could go to somewhere. Which is radically different to another idea I had last week when I attended an Easter performance that my niece was involved in in the city. I remember driving there with Brian. It was nighttime, so it was fairly darkly lit. Street lights were on. The speed was 60, and we were trying to find a car park. And as we drove there, I noticed just in the middle of our lane that there was a person walking really slowly in the traffic. And so I slowed down. And as I began to slow down, I discovered that it was a, a woman who seemed to be kind of stumbling in the road. She didn't have all her wherewithals about her. So much so that the car, we actually had to almost come to a complete stop to which she just stepped slightly to the side and walked past our car on the road. And she looked into the car and then proceeded to walk down further to the next car and the next car and the next car. Well, it's a really complex situation. So we just drove around the corner. We parked our car. We went into this, this auditorium that had this awesome presentation about this good news that Jesus had risen to new life and uh, that that was good news for all people. The problem I had when I was sitting there, though, is that I was kind of caught up in this cognitive kind of dissonance thing. Here I was inside this building celebrating this good news that someone had done something for the entire world that was like a game changer. And I thought, well, if that's true for me, surely it must be true for her as well. You get me? And so it begs the question then... That, what's the construct I'm living with? 
Am I living with the construct as a Jesus follower that if I'm saved from something, I go to? But what do I do in between time? Like, do I twiddle my thumbs? That prayer that actually constructed so much of the idea about what the Christian life was on wasn't entirely untrue, but it just didn't, frankly, say enough. When Jesus walked this earth, one of the catchphrases, if you like, to pronounce what his mission was about is summed up in these words. He said, the time is up. The empire of God has arrived. Turn around and put your trust in this good news. Taken on face value when I see these words of Jesus, it seems to me that he had just as much or actually more to say about good news for this present life rather than having an idea of escaping from this world in order to be with him in some disembodied, detached world. So it begged me the question of, how am I actually to make sense of this good news of Jesus? If you like, when I grew up and heard that prayer and was surrounded by that kind of thinking, it was a framework or a construct that said that we are rescued from in order to go to somewhere. But yet when I'm wrestling with the words of Jesus... And that encounter I had with that woman just a week ago, surely I asked the question, if Jesus is good news, then it should be just as much or even more about on about rescue me from something in order that I might do something or for something. You make sense? That's what I want to unpack this morning. What does a Jesus-shaped kind of understanding and life and construct look like amongst the kingdoms of this earth? So Jesus gave his followers a portrait, and then he gave them a prayer. The portrait goes something like this. Up on a mountainside 2,000 years ago, Jesus gathered a group of people around him. For someone who grew up, maybe a young Jewish boy or Jewish girl, that would ring true and have old ideas around them. The saying, wait a second, this has happened before. Someone walks up onto a mountainside and receives instruction or gives instruction to other people. Where did that happen before? I wonder, I wonder. And then he opened his mouth and he began to say these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Not blessed are the haughty in spirit. Not blessed are the powerful in spirit. Not blessed are those who look down their noses at others and say, ha, huh, I've got more than you do, therefore you actually don't cut it and make it in this world. He said, actually, blessed are the poor in spirit, those people who have a good, proper estimation of who they are and who they are not and seem to operate in that faculty. And why are they blessed? They're not blessed because they're poor. That would make sense. They're blessed because actually... They are already tied up and belong to and a part of God's new life that's breaking through into this earth right now that begins now and transitions into the future age or the age to come. Jesus went on and he said this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. That doesn't make sense. The idea that someone mourning, what? Someone's died or some, a relationship has broken down or, or, or a financial situation has taken place or, or, or someone who is in, in a, a terrible situation like what's going on over on in Europe now. Surely that's not what Jesus meant. No. He said, blessed are those who mourn because one day they will experience a comfort where they will not have to mourn anymore. 
because there will be no more tears, there will be no more crying, there will be no more wars or rumors of wars. They will be comforted. Who are the ones who mourn? They're the ones who mourn over the state of affairs of the world. They're the ones who mourn when they see a woman who is disheveled and, and, and stumbling on a street who say, we need to do something about that. That is not right and that is not good. Things shouldn't be that way. Blessed are those who mourn about the state of affairs on our streets or in our politics where, where there's undermining and, and, and just falsehood telling. And Blessed are those who mourn, who long to see a world established to right. And then Jesus went on and he said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. No, 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 no. Some people say, blessed are the, are the meek. The meek are weak, but I tell you this, the meek are not weak. The meek are the ones who are the humble ones, who quietly go about their activity, achieving and accomplishing much without needing great fanfare or, or pats on the back because they're the ones who actually gently go about working for good in the world and the one day they will inherit the earth because God will come back and reform it and renew it and it will be theirs. Blessed, Jesus says, are those who hunger and thirst for what is right and noble and good because one day their cup will be overflowing. They will have a banquet full, if you like, of rightness and goodness because that will descend and come upon this earth and you will be satisfied like a banquet you cannot believe. You will be so filled up on rightness and goodness and properness that you will be full to overflowing. Jesus goes on and he says, blessed are those who are the merciful ones because they realize that they've been shown mercy too. They have a right estimation about who they are and before God where they stand, they realize that they have been shown mercy. So they will be reluctant to point their fingers at others and saying, why don't you and you and you work out your own life and get it together when they realize that they're still just working out their own and so they feel merciful because they realize they've been shown mercy by someone bigger and greater than them. Jesus went on and he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You see, our world and the kingdoms of our world can sometimes say, Blessed are the dirty in heart, or the filthy in mind, or the corrupt. Blessed are those ones because somehow they seem to get ahead. No, 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 no. Jesus says, Blessed are the ones who seek and long for that which is right and pure. They don't preoccupy their mind with things that are, are, are dirty and make for feeling unclean. In fact, they're the ones who try and grab hold of those things and say, I'm not going to dwell upon those things. I want to cultivate and think about what is good and noble and right and true. And Jesus goes on and he says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Boy, do we need peacemakers in this world today. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called children of God. These are the blessed ones because one day when God gathers his family, there will be peace. But in the meantime, they are the ones who try and bring things together rather than tear things apart. They are the ones who try and at their utmost to try and reconcile things that seem irreconcilable because one day they have a picture that when God comes and establishes his reign in full on earth, that there will be a time in which there will be ultimate peace. 
Jesus goes on and he says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness and right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because someone will say in this world, if you dare to believe that God is going to do something about planet Earth, and that's why you are building for rightness and goodness right now, that you are crazy and, and, and you are unintelligent and you are just foolish for believing that would happen. But somehow deep in your heart of hearts, you go, no, I believe that is the promise of what will come and therefore I will too. If you like, Jesus' words had everything to talk about. You're being rescued from. So you could be someone who is doing for God now. This isn't a new list of instructions for you to tick off and say, Oh, if I could just become a little bit more merciful. <laughs> oh, if I could just work a little bit harder at the peacemaking thing, then I'll be able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and be good enough for God. And then he will welcome me in because look at how good I am. No, 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 that's not it entirely. Jesus were painting a portrait, firstly, of what God is like. God is merciful. God is a peacemaker. God doesn't have to think about being a right, pure-minded, holy other person because that is who he is. And secondly, from this portrait, he's describing someone who has come into contact with the good news of who Jesus is. And they've welcomed him into their lives such that, he, that his life, Jesus' life, begins to infiltrate your mind and your heart so that it begins to change it from the inside out. So you don't have to work hard at trying to do this, although it requires effort. Because it's actually been so transformative of the inside of you, it starts to leak out in the world around about you. When I went to university, Bible college, they concluded that these words of Jesus were too difficult for this time. They were just ridiculous. That's a little bit strong. They said it was for another time, another age. How wrong they were. These are the words for Jesus saying, this is who I want you to be right here and right now. Call me foolish, but when the tanks started rolling into Ukraine, my mind went into overgear. <laughs> How do you build for peace in that situation? So I had all of you on a plane. I had all of you having purchased a ticket with me and gone over to the Ukraine. And, and in my mind's eye, we were there in the Ukraine, and we're standing there saying, what on earth do we do now? And we all had a shopping trolley. Everyone had a shopping trolley and went to all of the shops, and we said, fill it up with as much food as you've got, and blankets, and anything that would be used. And then all of us, and, and uh, I actually, in my mind's eye, I'd also signaled to every Jesus follower in Australia to get on an airplane and land in the Ukraine, and then push your trolley over the border to go and start to distribute food. And then, of course, the, the logical questions was, don't be ridiculous, Troy, when the tanks start rolling in, what will you do? And, and I probably had only thought to the border and, and just pushing the trolley over. And I went, well, would stand in front of the tanks and, and offer the soldiers in the tanks food as well. How naive and ridiculous is that, hey? How do we build for peace? How do we live that place out? It's exactly what the disciples were asking. 
So Jesus, after having painted a portrait, he says, well, let me tell you a prayer I want to give you. Not the prayer that started off as I lay me down to sleep, but a prayer that goes something like this. This is then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You see, the only thing hallowed that I know in Victoria is the MCG's hallowed turf. Do you know anything else? It's the only thing that has a special place in the life of Aussies. It's that sacred space, right? So when the disciples come to Jesus and saying, how do we live this out? How do we do this? I don't know. And Jesus said, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but what I want to give you is a prayer. And it starts like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Which, if I interpreted that for Melburnians, it would be, God, the MCG is not hallowed turf, but you are. God, you first in my life. Hallowed be your name. And then he goes on and he says, May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, I want you to pray this. That is... When you get up in the morning time and you're combing your hair and you're putting your clothes on all your makeup and you were looking so wonderful and every inclination about you wants to say, good morning, self. I want to say good morning to you because you are looking so fine and hallowed this morning. You, you, you amazing human being. I want you to actually stop that and say, God, you first. When I go to school today, when I get on the bus, when I get on the train, when I go to work, when I'm in my community, may your kingdom come through me here on earth, just as it likes where you dwell. And then he goes and he says, gives them three things to pray for specifically. And by the way, as I go about doing what I'm doing today, would you give me all the resources I need because I don't know what I'll need. And, and, and right now, would you just provide for what I have? I just want to trust you for that. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Would you help me to be a forgiving person just as you have forgiven me because it's so easy to carry grudges. And then lastly, he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Because I have a sense, a bigger picture, that there is more going on to this world than just what we can see with our eyes. And there seems to be this other power that wants to tear us apart at every measure and cause us to trip and stumble. So would you keep me and guard me and help me? Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? What Jesus is inviting us to do is not just carry the construct of from to, but actually most powerfully, most profoundly is from for. That's the portrait. This is the prayer that he dares you to pray every morning when you wake up. In some sense, the Jesus life is actually really easy. You just wake up in the morning and you say, reporting for duty, sir. <laughs> Wake up in the morning, swing the legs out, and you say, reporting for duty, sir. And then pray that prayer and see what happens. You see, Jesus says, if you go out and you do this in this world, it'll be like you being sheep going out in the midst of wolves. So what I want you to do is think about these, these two ways of balancing up how you should operate in your world. Firstly, you need to be as innocent as doves, he says, and I want you to be as shrewd as snakes. What does that mean? 
as shrewd and as wise as a snake and as innocent as a dove. Well, when I first met my wife, the first car trip we did, she was in the habit of killing birds. I didn't know this at the time. It's never happened since. It just happened on the first time we actually went traveling. So we were driving in the car, and I said, there's some pigeons up ahead. Do you see that? She said, yeah, I do. I said, but do you know that if you don't slow down, you might run over those pigeons? She goes, no, the pigeons will get out the way. I know pigeons. I know birds. They'll get out the way. That's what they do when something bigger is coming. Well, as we drove closer, she didn't decelerate. She just kept the same speed happening. And I said, you better be careful because those pigeons, they might get hurt. She said, no, the pigeons will get out of the way. We got to the pigeons, and we heard a noise. Do-do. That was it. I looked behind me, and it was like the Michelin had been sort of pressed into the, the, those poor little birds. I said, that's what happens to poor little birds. Why? Because they are pigeons, and their view of the world is that no one will do anything bad to them because they're pigeons. And if something's bigger, and if something's coming their way, if there's adults in a the car, they will slow down because they know better. Sorry, Bron, it just happens. It's never happened since. But Jesus said, I want you to kind of have the attitude of a pigeon that goes in not expecting bad things of people. But then what you also need to do is carry this idea that you need to be as wise. See, in the ancient world, snakes and serpents were wise creatures. I remember being up at Bright one time. Anyone been to Bright before? I was standing in the Ovens River with the water up to my knees, and I was watching my nieces play right in front of me out there on their lilos in the water. And I felt a gentle little bump on the inside of my knee. And I looked down to see a black snake swimming to the other side of the river. How amazing was that, hey? I looked down and there's a snake. You see, the snake didn't have to wonder, what should I do to get across the river? All the snake said was, that's the best way to get from point A to point B, and so I'm going to go there, and there's a little gap I can use as well. Jesus said, what I want you to be is kind of like shrewd and wise as a snake, to know what to do and when to do it, and it's also... As innocent as a dove. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? Wise serpents. How do we do that? I remember a man by the name of Norman Pell. Some of you would know him. He was a gentleman statesman here among us for many years. Story goes that a few years ago, someone had come to him. and He was living up in the northern parts of Victoria. They play a lot of country football. And one of the, the, the kids in the town had been selected for one of the, the representative teams. And they decided to play this representative game on Easter Good Friday, which caused a bit of a stir for him because he was a Jesus follower. And so he wondered, what should I do in the midst of this? Because I really want to play football for the representative team, but at the same time, I kind of want to honor this significant time Good Friday and what Jesus did for me. And so there was this whole discussion around what he should do. Well, he came to Norman, the shrewd person and the innocent person. And he said, well, I think you should play football. He said, why? Why do you think that? He said, well, because I think it's an opportunity for you. Do you know how when someone dies... That in a football club, everyone puts on those, the black elastic, you know, the electrical tape. What I reckon would be a great opportunity for you to do is, if you played on Good Friday, you could put the electrical tape around your arm like they do. 
And when anyone asks you, both on the opposite team or your own team or anyone, you can say to them, actually, I'm remembering today someone who died at a great cost for the entire world. So he played. Innocent of doves and shrewd of serpents. That's what you'll need to be. Come on up, mate. Where does this leave us this morning? You see, Jesus said these words. You are the salt of the earth. But if you've lost your saltiness, you're good for nothing to be thrown under and trampled underfoot. If you're going to be just like everyone else or anyone else, then what will that do? You are the light of the world. You see, you don't put a light on a city and you cover it up so no one can see it. You let your light shine so other people can see. And maybe one day glorify Father in heaven. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Do you know that? God has a calling over your life as a human being. And he wants you to build for his kingdom amongst the kingdoms of this earth so that one day when he returns he will look you in the eye and he'll say well done enter into my rest here in a recreated heavens and earth because you've been building for this all of your life oh the seed you know this one Jesus told him a story he said God's becoming king like a little tiny mustard seed (laughs) you see a farmer once he took this tiny little mustard seed he stuck it in his soil in his field and it grew into a bush that grew into a tree and the tree became so big this mustard tree that birds of the air came and rested in its branches and the cattle of the field came and they sat under and they basked in its shade it's a description in the ancient world of a mighty kingdom a tree he wants you to build for that kingdom when you go to school when you go to work, when you're at home, when you walk in your community, he wants you to build for that kingdom so that through you one day, as his becoming king in your heart and mind and in this world, there'll be a day in which he will return in which that will be true in full. Are you ready? One of the things I've always loved about new communities is that we, you understand this. It's what engages about small little mustard seeds, small little cups of water, building for a great mighty kingdom. So I wonder if you might join me in standing just where you are. We're going to sing a song in a moment. I wonder, do you hear the call of God? Come on, stand with me. 
because you're going to be invited in a moment to say to sing a new song. And what I'd love to do right now is pray for you and ask that God might put a new song, fresh song into your heart and mind, that he will make you as innocent as a dove and shrewd and as wise as a serpent, that you might declare again, if you want to follow Jesus, God, would you help me built for your kingdom. Some of you here are going to be facing difficult situations going back to work tomorrow or the next day. I'm going to pray for you in a moment that God might actually give you the wisdom that you need in that difficult situation or maybe school. How do I do? How do I operate? But as you sing, I'd invite you to respond to him and allow him to speak to you. God, here in this place, I ask and pray we might hear the words of your good news, your calling. God, I pray for those people here in this place that when they go back to their workspaces on Tuesday, it's difficult. Would you give them a wisdom right now and they're asking for it here? Would you help them? Father, I pray for those young people who are going to be heading back to school and I ask that you might help them understand what it means for you to become king in their lives and to work for that in their school situation. You put a new song in our hearts and minds. We thank you 